Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, episode number 272 of Andy McNeely. How are you, Andy? I am excellent. Thank you very much. How are you going this morning, Dale? Yeah, tip top, mate. Tip top. It is a uh, it is a balmy morning, and we're both in Victoria. Um, but before we get into and, today's and, chat, sorry, mate. And before we do, I'm going to interrupt you and say, tip top. Are you ever not tip top? <laughs> I, I am. I must admit. Uh, I don't know. We're going to talk about your kids, but uh, I've got a, a one and a half year old, and he's been sick for I'd say eight weeks. Like every flu under the under anything you could imagine. And then I went to pick him up at daycare last week. He hadn't been for about a month, and he went for one day. And I, this little kid at the door, he didn't even have candle snot coming out his nose, Andy. He literally had it like a five-day growth all over his face. And I'm like, how is this kid even allowed to go? Oh, anyway, so he's been sick again all weekend. So I'm just, I'm just, does it ever end, mate? Does, does this sickness I don't, I don't ever know. end? Well, I don't know. I've got a son uh, who's 17 and he was really sick last night. Uh, he went to his staff party and he sort of snuck in in the afternoon after a few uh, sneaky drinks and he was very sick laying in bed this morning. <laughs> So uh, we, I'm a, I think I'm a bad parent because I sent my kid to school with sickness. So, uh, and he asked, he asked my wife or his mum, Sandy, he said, is there some sort of pill you can take to sort of fix this uh, stomach? I said, no, no, it's just time. <laughs> so what, what you're really saying is that uh, the sickness just eventually goes and then it becomes uh, sort of self-indulging. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's one of those sicknesses you don't ever want again, but he'll find himself in that situation again, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I've got, I've got no doubt, mate, and uh, I can yep. speak from uh, my thing there. So, when we before we get into that, what's the best thing you've done in the last seven days, Andy? What, what, if you could look back, what's the best thing? And before you answer this, if anybody yep. is listening to this now, which we hope some people are, maybe you could reflect on this and share it with somebody else. Andy, what is the best thing last seven days? Uh, the best thing I've done uh, at the moment is probably just finish my fence. I've replaced all the tin on my fence and I've put uh, cypress palings on. Uh, it, the joy of finishing a project is is wonderful, and I love looking back that colourbond moment, looking at the fence. Uh, my body this morning is telling me it wasn't good, but I know eventually my body re- will recover, and all those muscles that I don't use it will actually be a, a little bit better. But uh, that's it, just I, I enjoy doing those projects. It's a real mindfulness for me that time on my own, just yep. to do something with, like out in the garden, uh, that uh, real relaxation even though it's hard work yeah it's actually a really nice time i i do find that time for myself is really important and and like you just said your body will recover like a hangover um but yep. you always every time you know particularly you know you're, you're not a tradie by nature so and i get the same satisfaction i suppose and it, sometimes with painting i hate painting but it's so rewarding do you know what i mean like you're yep. in that moment you're present nobody's annoying you and you're doing something you don't actually enjoy that much but you sort of do enjoy it it's a really weird feeling, isn't it? And then the satisfaction at the end is yeah. overwhelming. Yeah, it is. And I'm, I'm the I'm the guy who walks out in the street onto the road with my cup of coffee and looks at the fence and these people walking past going, what's that idiot? He's still there. <laughs> Look at his fence. That's all right. I feel mate, good. You've got, to, you've got to admire your own work. And I love that. So everything aside, mate, you're an educator, speaker, coach, mentor, author, but most of all, you're a husband and parent. Um, do you want yes. to sort of paint the picture for listeners out there besides obviously your son having hangovers and doing beautiful fences on the weekend. Um, who is Andy McNeely for the, the audience? 
Yeah, okay. So I've, I've been in education for uh, about 20 years. And what I noticed when I got into education that I think we're really good at teaching the academic stuff, uh, you know, the reading, writing, maths. And what I noticed was missing is teaching the social and emotional learning skills, you know, the gratitude, empathy, kindness, uh, critical thinking. We weren't teaching those skills. So kids, we just put it to chance. And I think we're in the education system, we're doing a really good job of that now. It's really improved. And when I looked at this over my years as an educator, I thought, how can I help people? How can I help kids be better at these skills? And I also noticed at the same time that mental health issues were on the rise in our, in our adolescence. So by combining these two concerns of mine, I started running workshops and webinars and I wrote a book called Connecting With Your Kids. And it's about teaching those executive skills through fun activities that are simple, they're easy to find the resources and they're cheap. So anyone could do it. So the book is... It's not written with the research and it's not written with uh, highfalutin words. It's just simple. Any, anyone could just read it, pick it up and go, oh, I could do that with my kids. Oh, I could do that one with my kids. Oh, that one's not good for our family, but that one's good. So it was just really a simple way of building relationships and being connected. So firstly, the kids are learning those executive skills. And secondly, if your kid has a mental health concern and you've got a strong relationship as a parent, Hopefully your kids will come to you and say, hey, mum, dad, something's not right. You want them to come to you. If you're busy all the time building fences and keeping away from your kids <laughs> and not spending time with them, <laughs> then the kids are going to go, well, dad doesn't really care. So although I'm spending that time mindfulness making my, my fence, I'm also aware of you know, <laughs> spending time with my kids, like cleaning up Finn's vomit. No, I didn't do that. But you know, spending the time with kids in the evening or playing a game, it doesn't have to be all the time. But I want my kids to know if something goes wrong, I'm there for them. They can come to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think why we've caught up a couple of times now, and I think why we get along so well is the word you mentioned before, Andy, that it's fun. No, you've got to have fun. And it doesn't matter if you're a teacher, if you're in the workplace, yep. if you're a parent. <clears throat> If you're trying to deliver something that isn't fun, particularly to young kids, so if you're a teacher or if you've got your own kids, if you're trying to tell them to do something and it's not fun, they're not going to embrace it. They're not going to soak it in. They're not going to do it. They're going to reject it and they're going to push away from it. So the key with everything, and I know this is what you're really big is, it's got to be fun, doesn't it? Otherwise, it's not going to Absolutely. work. Absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting because I did a, a, quite a few years ago, I did a, a workshop or a, a course called Leaders in the Making. Uh, part of my uh, education in primary schools. And one of the questions we asked were, what do staff meetings, what should they be? And I was talking, sharing this with another principal, and I said, key, they need to be fun. And he looked at me like in this sort of weird way. He said, no, I disagree with you. You know, we've got things to cover. And I thought, well, I said to him, you know, they've got to be fun to engage the, the staff, no matter how dry the topic is. If you don't mm -hmm. make it fun or if you don't have fun elements in it, People just drift off and you can see you can see when you present in an audience or I can see when I'm talking to my kids, a classroom, all my kids at home. If it's if it's boring, they just drift off. They don't take it in. But so and this is I started I started my businesses for that exact reason, sitting through boring meetings or PDs. And I'm like, I this is not engaging. No one's taking it in. Why do we continue to do it? Like, do you know what I mean? We know it doesn't work, but what? 
it's still happening. I don't know. I don't know. It's, isn't it the uh, definition of insanity? Yeah, massively. It, 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 yeah. it still is. It uh, it blows my mind. And I I don't know if it's people, is it that they don't know how to make certain topics fun? Or is it that they're scared to be vulnerable? Because a lot of time when you're having fun or you're doing these things, you're the one that's got to lead it. And, and you know better than anyone that you put yourself out there. Some people might laugh at you. It's a little bit uncomfortable. Do you think that is one of the biggest barriers? I, I think that is, vulnerability is, I mean, I remember when I started running workshops, just you put yourself out there and go, this could be a total flop. It could be a total yeah. balls up, but you do it. And as you do it, you get better at it. And then you get better at it and you just keep doing it. It's, it is that putting yourself out there and taking that risk, you know, um, maybe it is that people are scared to be vulnerable or they don't want to muck it up. I mean, I don't know how many meetings I've run and I've mucked up. That's okay. Yeah. You know, we all make mistakes. And that's, but that's how you also make people feel safe as well. Do you know what I mean? That you are human. We want you to make mistakes. We want you to try new things. If you're not good at it, that's all right. Because if you're good at doing the same thing over and over, you're not challenging yourself. And yeah. that's essentially what we're telling our kids in schools and at home. But then for some reason, we default back to that safe, secure way. Um, so when I know in your book, what are, what are some ways that you encourage particularly parents, like, and I know I'm a young parent and I want to be a good parent and sometimes it's hard. Um, what are some ways that you encourage them to, you know, inject a bit of fun and be a good parent and try new things? The, the easiest thing, the absolute easiest thing is just to play games, card games, board games, you know, like I spy type games, any games, any games where it's got a, a like a, a challenge or like a, a mathematical challenge or a, a winning sort of challenge, just games. And all from playing those games, you're actually sitting with your kids and you're having conversations about strategy and about uh, being creative in, in the way you answer questions or you move your piece or anything. It's just, there's so much in games. And, you know, there's a lot of good board games around. Some are quite expensive, but you can get them from the op shop. Uh, you know, for a present, if you want, if you want to, you're sort of thinking about a present for your kids, you know, you talk to the grandparents, get them a board game. We've got cupboards full of board games. And I find now as an adult, we still play board games with adult friends. And it's sometimes so much fun. And the other, well, I should say sometimes it's always fun. The other thing I love about games, it gives you that moment where silence is okay. You know, I, we play cards. Sandy and I play cards with a couple of friends once a week. What, and, uh, sorry, you know, you, what, what type of cards? What are you, what are you into? Canasta. Canasta, yep, very nice. You played Canasta? Oh, yeah. I played a little you're, bit. I'm more of a more of a 500 and you could play. I know you're a 500 player. I read that <laughs> in your book. 500. <laughs> I, I, I like 500, but Canasta's Canasta's better. Yep, fair enough. Everyone's yeah, got their yeah, own I, I, their own yeah, uh, yeah. weapon of choice. But I, I will I will uh, take up the challenge since you just offered for, for a game of 500. I'd so I do one. like 500. <laughs> it, it's just it's those moments when you can sit there with your friends and be in silence, that comfortable silence. Sometimes I think we can find silence is uncomfortable and you've got to fill it with some, some speaking. And I sometimes get like, Oh, Oh, I'm sitting here. What do I say? What do I say? It's okay to be silent. Yeah. Yeah. But you use using a game or that play. Um, yep. It gives it, it make, like you said, it makes it okay because you're not just sitting there. There's a different objective and that yep. takes away from the silence because silence is good sometimes because it allows people to think. But when we're in conversations, sometimes we don't do that because we don't like that silence because there isn't a game to make us feel comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. 
So the other thing too about games, you can, when you start playing a lot of board games, you can start making your own games. You know, like, you know, there's so much uh, research and research or not, we know we feel better when we get out to nature. So you can get out into nature and go for a walk with your kids and just go and find, go and find as many different leaves as you can or find 10 leaves. So you took, you're playing a game with your kid and you teach him to count to 10. You put them in a bag, then you can sort them shortest to longest. All right, who's got the longest leaf? Who's got the curliest leaf? Who's got the driest leaf? All those conversations with your kids. It's just a made up game and it serves no purpose, but it actually has so much in it. There's yeah. so much depth in just doing that. Going for a walk to a park, counting how many colours you can see at the park. You know, how many times can you go on the swing? Who can go highest? How is your stomach feeling? I don't know. Just yeah. It's just time with your kids doing anything. I, I'm just sitting here thinking I, I ran a workshop with um, a large group of high school teachers on, on Friday. And a lot of the things I was talking about is simply reframing and your game there that you just said. So a lot of time, you know, parents will say to their kids, how was your day? And the question's, Good, rubbish question, rubbish response. And a lot yes. of teachers, I say, how often do your kids roll in on a Monday and you say, how was your weekend? And they say, good. I say, that's a rubbish question, rubbish response. So what you're just doing there with the leaves is, yes, you've got 10, but you need to be creative enough to figure out what different 10 have you got or who's the curliest, what's the longest, yeah. do you know what I mean? And, and that's very similar with the way we reframe a conversation or a question, you know, in, instead of Andy, how was your week? What was the best thing you did last week? And do you know what I mean? You, you actually yeah. figure those things out by playing games, by exploring, by being in nature, by being creative, like what you just said. And, you know, that's really interesting what you're talking about with those rubbish questions, because I don't know how many times I've said to my kids, you know, how's your day? It's the same. <laughs> I get the same stuff. But I find, and I'm working working this with staff, and I'm working with this, working on this with parents. When I, instead of me saying, "How was your weekend?" I say, I come in with, "Guess what I did on the weekend? Good. I built my fence. I feel good." And I start telling the story. And if I'm telling that story, you should see the kids' hands go, "Oh, oh, fence! I got it. Oh, my dad made this fence. Oh, my mum did this. Oh, I went this. I saw that." And the kid. That's what opens up the conversation, the relationship building by telling a story because there's so much in stories just by starting. And your question was the best thing you do. That's just given me the, the opportunity to tell you a story. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and I suppose what you've just said there is brilliant because in certain contexts, you, you leading, like with, you know, sometimes playing games or running a meeting, you need to lead. So you can't just roll in with a question because yep. it will not build any engagement. So by rolling in with a story, building that narrative, making them feel part of it, people can relate to it. Whereas if you've got somebody else and, you know, you're responding through questions, that's where you need to think differently. And and I talk to mates about this all the time. And he, why do we, when we meet someone in social settings, Oh, what do you do for work? Why is that the first question that we ask people? And I've been pondering this so much lately because I don't relate myself back to my work anymore. I used to, but I'm so much more. And I know you are as well than what you do at work. So why don't we start the narrative differently? Why don't we throw a different question? Because we always default back to this boring way. And I was at an engagement yeah, party on the weekend, mate. And it'd be I met a lot of new people and every one of them started with that question. Like, and it, it, do you find, does this, is this hitting a chord yeah, with you? Absolutely. You know, imagine if I came to your party and I met, then met you and say, what's the toughest thing you've done last week? Bang. I would love that. But you're going, oh, geez. 
uh, I don't know, you start thinking about what is the tough? Well, this was tough and that was tough. And then you start telling that, oh, that reminds me. And then yes. the conversation starts, whatever it is. So it, and I think that what you've just mentioned there is exactly the way it's been, it's been curious, you know, walking into a meeting and being curious about what could occur or like on this podcast today. And I said before, I don't really have any questions because I'm curious to hear what you're talking about and I'll ask good questions, hopefully, and see a good conversation. It's the same with our kids at home, with our partner, anybody. If you are not being curious of a new question or a way to engage, it's going to be the same result. Absolutely. And, you know, when I'm listening to something, a podcast, I want to hear a conversation, just people chatting. Like, I'm, I can think I'm in the, in the room with them having a cup of coffee. I'm going, this is really good. I want to be part of the conversation. I don't want to be sitting there being lectured to. You know, when you go to workshops and people lecture to, you go, oh, how many parenting workshops have I been to? And you go, oh, my God, they're just telling you the same stuff. Do this, do this, this. And everyone writes down some notes and takes one or two tips away from it. There's no magical solution to being a parent. There's no magical solution to being a in a relationship with someone. There's just, it's like a dance. Humans are organic and we move back and forth. We're not mechanical. There's no... You know, I, there's no step one, step two, step three. Oh, boom, got life sorted. Yes. If that was like, <laughs> I mean, how boring would that be? Yep. There's no magic to it. There's just that dance and that mistake and and then fixing this and changing that and working with this person and spending time here. It's just, it's it's all organic. There's no, yeah. like this conversation, I've no idea where it's going. We'll just go where it goes. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Neither do I. <laughs> but like you matter. said it doesn't. And that's, but do you know what? I think that also scares some people. Um, and particularly if they're running a meeting or, and I keep referring back to this because I think it's, it's something I'm really passionate about that needs to change. Um, that a lot of the time, like when I was running a workshop last week, I, I know where it's going to go, but there's still elements that I leave because I'm excited to see what other people can create because I'm curious as well of different concepts they can design because I'm learning as well. But if I don't allow that to happen, or if I just had a heap of questions for you today, Andy, I wouldn't be allowing any of that to occur. And it's, it's really the same if you have the same narrative at home at an engagement party, meeting new people or with your kids. If you have got a narrative where you want to get somewhere and you're in control of that, that's not, you're being safe. You're sitting on the fence. Even if it's colorblind, you're sitting on the fence. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's really important, like you said, to know where you want to get to, but how you get there, it's not really important. So I, an example of this, I ran uh, a parent workshop a few weeks ago at school about anxiety and resilience and the importance of anxiety, how it's a really important emotion rather than it's a bad emotion, which I think people have this idea, it sh you shouldn't be anxious, you sh life should be all happy. Now, I had a couple of prompting slides just to sort of get discussion happening. And then there was just stories and people in the room sharing things. Now, this, I did one in the morning and one in the evening. The evening one was totally different, different mm -hmm. people. So the the premise the idea of a workshop is it's how it goes is workshopped in the room and everyone gets things different everyone gets different things out of it like some people think that's great some people think that's great some people think that's rubbish that's okay if you can if you can for me my outcome is that you can see that anxiety helps build resilience and how you do it is different for your family because you are the expert with your family and you know what works for your family and you take what's best for you. Oh, that, that is so powerful because uh, how often do you see, you know, you, you get a lot of parents and they're like, 
I'm stressed. I feel anxious, but my kids don't know that. They they don't know that I'm stressed or anxious. And then you see their kids and you're like, oh, I know why their kids are that stressed and anxious because they're just sponges. They're just following exactly what you're doing. And I love that because we need certain bits of anxiety in our life. We also need stress. Um, They are two, they are two things that you can never stamp out and you don't want to because that's how we overcome things. That's how we challenge yes. ourselves. You know, like, so what, from these workshops, you said they were both different. I'm like, again, I'm, I'm interested in this, that what, what do people, parents particularly think around those two words, you know, stress and anxiety? Uh, we shouldn't have it. My kids yeah. shouldn't have it. So what I notice what parents do, because we're worried for our kids, which is normal. We don't want our kids to be anxious. So we do things for them. We carry their bags. We make their lunch. We make sure that they're friend, they've got friends. We make sure that they've got things happening after school. You know, it's, we make we pick them up because we don't don't want them to face the world of worries. Well, when does that stop? You know, when they're in high school, do you stop worrying? Or maybe when they go to uni? Oh, I better better pack my kids' bag. You've got to let them be independent. You've got to let them muck up. You've got to let them stuff up. I've got to let my son at seventeen go and get drunk and get uh, get sick so he can learn. It's all very well to say, I've been drunk and hung over. You shouldn't do it because it's really bad. That's a silly. He's got to do it. You know, they, they've got to live their lives. The, the kids need to have friendship issues because if they don't have friendship issues, what are they going to do when they're teenagers? What are they going to do when they get a job and they get a boss they don't like or a colleague they don't like? They've got to have those problems and those challenges and sort them out themselves because then they are experienced at it and they're better at it. Not that they'll ever, not, not like anyone's ever an expert. I'm, you know, I'm sure for you and for me, I still have problems with colleagues and uh, friends, you know, that's just life, but it's how you deal with it. You get better at dealing with it. The more you're chucked into it. Yeah. And you'll never, you'll never be a master at it. You're never going to go through nah. life and, and everyone like you and every situation be amazing. Like it, it doesn't work. And like you were just saying there, I think, um, professional sport around the world, particularly for males, because let's be honest, male sport, it's nearly all professional now. Females are catching up, but you see so often, particularly in the AFL or the NFL or whatever, that it's exactly like parenting that these athletes get everything done for them. And then the minute they're spat out of the system, they have all these breakdowns and they don't know how to handle life because it's not all organized for them. It's really similar to what you're saying about, you know, bubble wrapping your kid or hover parenting. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I wouldn't want my, any of my kids to be elite athletes. I, I just think their life is not as great as it seems. You know, I think, I mean, would I want to be, you know, you sort of think, yeah, I'd love to, you know, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't think life's all, all about that. You know, I don't know. I don't know what life's about anyway. But <laughs> anyway, I've got no idea. <laughs> I think, I think with that though, that, uh, like a lot of things, if people, it, it is glamorous in a lot of ways and there are so many ups, but then also people don't see, you know, the sacrifices or the things that they have to do to be able to play at that level. Um, you know, and yeah. I think it's like people in that you may look up to in a role or something like that, you will always see the positive in what they're doing and see, oh, geez, that's so glamorous. I, I'd love that aspect. But then you gloss over the parts that aren't as glamorous because you're just so fixated on that. It's like the grass is always greener. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, how we we look at those sports people and admire them. But when do we admire the um, the nurses? When do you admire the person who cleans the, cleans the uh, rubbish off the streets? 
when do we admire the people who, the ambulance drivers, the people who help, you know, we forget about all that stuff, the teachers, you yeah. know, all that sort of stuff. We're so busy in like these elite people, but maybe elite is in the classroom. Maybe elite is in the hospital. Maybe elite is that parent, you know? Yeah. Well, I think you do appreciate those people, you know, the first responders when you need them, you know, I was a couple yep. of weeks ago, we were in an emergency with a young fella and the nurses and doctors, like you just incredible. I, I don't know how they work in such a high stress, full on environment all the time. And I took my hat off to, I was like, I'm so grateful for you, but you only experience these when you need it. I suppose it's sort of like traveling yeah. and you like, you, you realize how lucky we are to live in Australia because that gratification, when you see how other people live, it's, I don't know. Does that sort of make sense? Yep. Absolutely. We are very, very lucky. Yeah, we really are, mate. We really are. So let's get back to the book because uh, the one thing I love about your book, mate, is that, uh, yes, you've got ways to do certain things and inject that fun and build those connections, but you've actually got practical ideas. Like you've mentioned a few of those before. What, with people reading your book and that, have you got any real, like, light bulb moments or success stories or that, uh, you know, it's really changed somebody by giving them the tools to implement this as a family? Yeah, probably one that really comes to mind when you say that is after running a, a workshop and someone had the book, they came back and said to me later, you know, like, you know what, Andy, I've, I was living in, living in Ocean Grove and commuting to Melbourne, you know, uh, earning a lot of money. And I just thought about my life and think, I don't, what do I want less money for? I actually want more time with my kids. So I've quit my job. I'm working locally. I get a lot less money, but you know what? So much happier. My kids benefit from it. And I thought, wow. Now, if no one ever tells me any other positive story, you know, just that one story is, is my job's done. One person I've affected and helped and they've, they've made changes. And I felt really, really great about that, just to be able to help someone, you know, and that sort of stuff for me to contribute to others, that's what, that's what gets me going. Yeah. Really when, you brilliant. know, just helping people. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And do you think that sort of story is becoming, I feel it's becoming more familiar now after COVID and I feel COVID's done a lot of positive for a lot of people. It's also done a lot of negative and we're seeing the, yeah. we're going to see the, going to see the side effects of both for a long time to come. But one of them, like what you just mentioned that after reading your book and probably realizing, is this what I want? Do I want to commute two and a half, three hours a day? Is it worth it? Um, yeah. Do you think people are starting to realize that as well, that life's for living, not for working? I think so. And I think uh, the younger generation coming through, they, all, always through history, the older generation always bagged the younger generation. Oh, this, they're no good. <laughs> that's just that's just a tradition. I think that the younger generation actually are going to master this. They're going to pick careers that work for them and their family and their lives they're not going to be chasing money less and less i know some people still will think that money will bring them happiness but i think a lot of the younger generation are going to be going no i want less less is more i want to just take it easy and enjoy my life have work as an important part of my life but work is not my life work is just one part relationship with family and friends is another part you know my hobbies people i think the younger generation get a get a much better balance and i think that's I think that's partly due to COVID as well. When people start to think about what do I really want in my life? You know, what's important. Yeah. And I I agree with that. And I think hopefully the narrative will change and their conversations will change because 
we've been ingrained. And I think it's like my parents, they didn't know any different or they didn't have any option. They just had to work, you know, that to work their butt off. And I get that. And I've been very fortunate that I've done that. Now I don't really want to work that hard because I wasn't happy. And you can, you can make that change. I think the next generation are seeing that. So instead of having a conversation with somebody about what you do, it might be like, what makes you happy or, um, and, and that's a positive, I think that, you know, particularly the younger generation, they love looking after themselves. They are very healthy. They're, you know, they're very conscious of that. I think, again, they're more focused on living life instead of working for life. Yep. Yep. And tell you what, before you know it, it goes quickly. It just goes so quickly. I bet it does, mate. I bet it does. So you're probably oh. uh, sitting there in just blink of an eye and now you've got uh, the teenage kids and you're probably yep. just, feels like a couple of weeks ago you where I was, mate. Yeah. Getting every germ under the sun from daycare yeah. or daycare, I call it. <laughs> and that's what I reckon is, is like someone with young kids, you know, that time goes so quick. You know, I heard that song um, the other day on the um, Cats in the Cradle, you know, by Cat oh, Stevens. Silver Spoon. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, about the, the kid growing up and dad saying, yeah, yeah, I will soon. I will soon, dad. Yeah, yeah, I'm a bit busy. I'm a bit busy. And that, before you know it, boom. Nah, I've got no relationship with my dad, you know. I'm, I won't ask him. You know, it, yeah. it just goes so quick. And when they say, when my kids, I try, I don't always, but try, can you do this? Yeah, I've tried to do that. And of course, it doesn't happen all the time, you know. I'm not going to tell you I'm perfect because I've had other things on or I've had to do things, but you know, quite often as much as I can, I try and say, yeah, of course I'll spend time with you. You know? Yeah. Um, also living by, you live in a beautiful part of Victoria down the Ballinan Peninsula. How important is, you know, the beach and that nature aspect? I know you, you mentioned it before, but um, how does that help you personally, you know, your mental and physical wellbeing? Uh, it helps me in that I ride my bike. Uh, to work so I, I live in Bowen Heads and work in Ocean Grove so I ride my bike to work which is really good to get myself ready for the day and also to wind down uh, I go for a bike ride in the morning um, down 13th Beach and just being outdoors I think is so important you know walking around the parks walking down the beach um, just the outdoors you know and I think you know some people like the beach some people like the, the mountains uh, some people like the outback just but just outdoors is just just you know Freeze your mind and clears your head, and it's just just really enjoy being outside. Love it. Yeah, I, I agree. When I used to live in London, I used to ride to work every morning, and probably not the same yep. <laughs> same landscape that you're riding through, Andy. But it's really interesting that I would get to work and I'd be on. You know, I wouldn't need a coffee. I'd be, you know, those endorphins. You've got that cold air running through your lungs. You're ready to go. It's uh, there's something about it, isn't there? Yeah, I used to ride my bike to London too, and ride my bike to work in London. GOT was was way quicker, but uh, a bit dangerous in front, you know. But just took you, oh, like, no, you know, did, did keep you on edge. But um, you know, better than going down the tube and, and the cars, just straight past the cars. It was, it was great. I oh, love it. So do I. So do I. We probably talk yeah. about some horror stories. It probably, as you yeah. said, I don't know if I'd do it now. It wasn't the roads I was riding on. I'm sure it sounds like you were too. weren't that safe. Um, but yeah, the adrenaline was high. So. And before we wrap up today, and I'm going to get people to where we can find you, but is there anything I've missed today? So as far as, you know, is there something that you think people really need to hear for parents, workers, you know, mental health, anything? Is there something that's really important that I've missed? Uh, you haven't missed it, but I think to sort of sum it up, like relationships are the most important thing. So Donna Cross, who was the Western Australian of the year a few years ago, she said, 
relationships are the number one predictor of a long and happy life. So if you can just work with your kids, build relationships with your kids, with your, your colleagues, with your family, that's the most important thing for your uh, health and happiness. So however you do that, it's just the most important thing. Apart from the most important thing, it's actually the best thing, you know, being with people and chatting and just enjoying being people's company. I know how I how I feel, you know, I know I'll get finished or get on with my day, you know, after talking to you and I'll be lifted through just being in your presence, just enjoy that sort of positivity. I, I love it, the conversations, yeah. the time with people. It just it lifts lifts me. Yeah, and uh, like you often hear like a lot of people on their deathbed and in nursing homes and things say, what's the most important thing? It's not, it's not what you own or the assets or how much money you yep. have. It's, you know, the people you've shared with and the memories you have. Um, and that's why a lot of, I always say in a lot of my keynotes, and things, don't buy green bananas because you can't eat them. So don't put things off, do things now. Do you know what I mean? Like don't, don't say I'll, I'll do this later. I'll do it now. Like start planning things and start living life. And essentially like you're the same with Donna that, you know, the West strain of the year, that's what it all comes down to. Like, don't delay yep. things, you know, make people feel important, get around them, let, let them know how much you love them or how proud of you are, because you don't know when it's going to be over, when it's going to be gone. Absolutely. I mean, I'm 55 and I, I sort of think, I remember having my 30th birthday, it's like, party, it's like, whoa, what happened? 55, <laughs> you know, where does that go? You know, it's, it goes really quick. You've got to make mm. the most of it. Uh, you do and, so, and when when I I'm just going to say something before I yeah. think about that, you know, you got to make the most of it. My youngest son Monty, he's into astrophotography and he takes photos of the planets and the stars. And and when you look at the millions of stars in the photos, the millions which are suns, and that that you just take perspective of how insignificant we are here on Earth. <laughs> we are so nothing. You know, you've just got to make the most of it. It just goes in a blink and we are nothing. Yeah. It's uh, well, like I said, that's essentially what when we travel as well. Do you know what I mean? Like you think compared to everything else in the world, you're nothing, but also it reminds you of what you do have, how lucky you are. And like you yep. just said, I, I think if there's any things that you can be doing that empower other people to uplift yourself or where you can be reminded of the great things in your life instead of focusing on what you don't have or what other yep. people have you know that the key is being so happy with what you do have and how fortunate you are whatever your situation is i can guarantee there are still things that are bloody brilliant so andy people are yep. like they want to get your book they want to hear you talk they want to get more where can we find you if you google andy mcneely and then go onto the website, andymcneely.com.au. You can find all the information there. Uh, I do, you can get my socials from my website. So I post on Insta, um, uh, also uh, Twitter. So just, I post once a week of just a simple idea you could do with your family. Really simple. Not a lot of, not a lot of uh, work stuff to read, like 20 words. Here's an idea you could try this week. So just to sort of get you thinking about your family, what you could do about your, working with your partner, doing something with your partner or a colleague, just something really simple you can do. So yeah, online, andymcneely.com.au. Perfect. And, and everybody all have those links in show notes, 272. So if you go over there, you can click on those. Now, before I let you go, Andy, how are the Blues going to venture this year, mate? Are you going to do any damage in the finals or even make well, it? Well, I've got, I kind of think if we don't make it, we can't sort of say it's been a successful year. That's a good point. Uh, but but 
I do also playing the pies this weekend. I really would love to beat the pies. <laughs> just, that's that's just that's always a joy to beat the pies. So um, go Blues. I think uh, they're saying it'll nearly be eighty or ninety thousand there as well. Um, which you know for a home and away game for Collingwood Carlton, that's. Uh, that's that's sort of finals like anyway. So even if you don't make it, this could be sort of a final. And I still yep. think as a supporter, you've had a lot of highs and some lows, yes. But you know, new coach, new injection, it, it's sort yep. of been positive, I would have thought. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, it has it has been a positive year. It's been up and down. And when I think about it, you know, my kids are Carlton supporters. I, I for years thought, why did I get them to support Carlton? But then <laughs> the ups and downs and the joys when you win. And but I don't know why it's it's why I get so stressed on the weekend, but I still love it. I love it. It's great. <laughs> and for international listeners, we're talking about the best game in the world, Australian rules football. If you haven't yet watched it, just watch some tubes. Uh, you some links on YouTube. Um, and obviously, Andy's a Carlton Blue supporter. Andy, thanks so much for your time today, mate. It's uh, really refreshing. Like you just said before, um, I'm quite selfish this podcast. I interview people I want to learn from and just have really meaningful conversations with like-minded individuals. And I feel that's what we've done today. So thanks for your time, mate. And I look forward to connecting in the future. Pleasure. Thanks so much for the offer and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, listeners.